Hello, welcome to the Design for a Living podcast with Chelsea Coriel. On this week's episode, we talk about how to increase your income streams. Yep, there's so many different ways. People ask me this all the time. Um, because, you know, I think it's because we're creative people in general. And so we always have ideas. <laughs> we're idea people. In fact, I had to I had to shut down <laughs> the designers last week because I was losing my mind. I have a lot of great ideas for the store. I have a lot of great, great ideas for designers. But you can only have so many. <laughs> and, um, you know, for instance, we should do, they're always saying, we should do this. We should do this at the store. We should offer this. We should offer this as a service. Okay, stop. We have one business model now. Let's perfect that. And then we can move on, which is the ultimate lesson that we're going to teach on this podcast. When you get to the end, you'll realize if you can't do it well, it's not, you don't want to do everything, you know, halfway. You need to do one or two things really, really well, or there's no point. So um, I want to talk about some of the ways that people have been successful adding some different creative things to their design business and um, pitfalls, things to look for. Because Nadia, you've had you've had many, <laughs> many creative ideas. Um, I feel like there's so many little, how do I say, like not alleyways, but um, ways within this business that you can make money in. Or I almost was kind of referring to it as in like pick a lane which we can go into later. But in terms of as an interior designer, you'll go into, you can have Christmas services. You mm-hmm. can have just an accessory that you can come every six months to a year and zhuzh or whatnot. Um, different things in terms of going to the paint store and offering um, paint consultations, um, little things like that in terms of whether you're just beginning or you're in it. So I was just even generally wondering like, hey, Chelsea, what do you think about that? And then yeah. when I did kind of discuss it on a personal level, you're like, no, like pick a lane and perfect that. That's not you. That's not who you want to be. But at the same time, if you're just starting out and you want to get to know people in the area or what I'm going to have to do in Boise, um, that was kind of a fun topic. So yeah, there's lots of different ways you can spin this in the good and bad. So yeah. And, and I get it. You know, when I was younger and started my design business, um, I was in a different, little bit different position because I was moved so much. So I hadn't, you know, some places I was only going to live there for three months. And um, so I thought, oh, Christmas decorating. I can do Christmas decorating. That's awesome. And I spent so much time designing a flyer and then getting around to actually going out and spreading the word. And, you know, that I realized I'd missed the window. (laughs) It was already Thanksgiving and it's too late. People have planned their decorating by then. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do Christmas decorating, you need to start in July marketing planning where you're going to get your products, where you're going to, it it just comes so fast and people plan so far ahead for something like that, but they're paying a lot of money for a service. So we also, as designers, aren't always, um, like, again, we have all these ideas, but focusing down to really take it seriously and doing it well, Execution. Absolutely. Because then then it's just taking your time away from being a designer. You've just spent all this money or energy or, you know, thought process working on a Christmas plan where if you had taken all of that energy and put it into marketing your design business, you know, the money that you'd make. And you got to really think about it. I did do a few people's Christmas trees and um, gosh, as a um, in design school, we did a fundraiser as a class and there was a big resort, Semiyama, which you love. And uh, we did their Christmas decorations for, um, I thought you went to Semiyama. What is that? 
Oh, it's a beautiful big resort up in um, Blaine. Oh, we almost went there. Oh, Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's a beautiful resort. So they hired us to do uh, their Christmas decorations. I never knew that. For um, a fundraiser for our class. We bought our class sweatshirts, I think. (laughs) But, you know, I think think Christmas decorating is kind of like giving birth. (laughs) Like, it's hell when you're in it. Like when you're putting all those lights on and... If you look at one more ornament, like at the end, you're like, I don't care. Just put them on up and down the ladder, up and down the ladder. And how are we going to hook this? At the end of Christmas decorating, you're so happy it's over. <laughs> what if you had to keep doing it? Oh, and like you already promised people and they paid you and they're and let me t- two trees in and you're going to be like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like wedding planning. Yeah. Everyone's like, you shouldn't do that. You're yeah, still getting sounds like, great. heck to the no, no uh-uh. way. No, it's a lot more work. So... You know, I know you get excited, like, oh, this will start my design business. This is how I'll ease into it. But I just have to warn, you know, everyone out there that um, you got to really think about it. You know, if you want holiday decorating to be your niche, that that's what you do, then by all means. But but I really want to warn people, um, don't take away your attention from your business that you really want to develop, right? Put your all into that right now. So there are uh, different income streams that you can add that are big money makers and are great to add. Um, and accessories are the one of the biggest because people do, they want that finished look, right? And they can buy their sofa, they, you know, they go out and pick their rug or whatever, but making it look like a designer was there and tying it all together, that's the hard part. And so I used to do a furniture accessory uh, house calls and I charge one flat fee Gosh, I don't, it's been so long now. I don't remember if it was like, you know, anywhere from 500 to 1,000. And I'd go to TG Maxx or Home Goods or Target and load my car just to the brim with accessories and go in and, you know, set everything up and accessorize and zhuzh, which <laughs> we have a love hate relationship with that word. <laughs> and, um, you know, what I didn't use, I returned. And the clients would always buy all the accessories. And, you know, you could charge an extra 10 or 20% on top of what you've purchased. But that is, I mean, that could be a business model, right? I mean, that in itself, um, if you're building your design business, getting a foot in the door and showing them what you can do, showing them your skills and how talented you are, you could do one room. And then, you know, it's like Nadia once she did that first house for her favorite client that Two her the first clients. room, yeah, that it it just snowballed. And now she's doing room after room after room because it's addicting. And right? yeah, when you said that, I didn't believe it. And now, yeah, it's crazy. Uh-huh. I know. Those are great. Great. They just love everything you put in their house. They're like, do your magic. Like, oh, uh-huh. not if I, which is trademarked. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that is a good, I mean, I would definitely encourage that. The other thing, you know, I've seen a lot of designers be really successful with is window treatments. You know, some people buy the, um, you know, maybe a 3D blind franchise or, and I haven't really talked to too many people about that or how successful they've been. Um, But it is, they always think of it as a door opener for, for doing more design. And what they've told me is usually they end up really just selling blinds. So focusing more on custom window treatments for interior design, that's different. You know, you're not just going and measuring 
you know, someone's house for blinds all day long. You're actually designing a treatment for windows. You're solving problems. You're, you know, it, it's just more more than just blinds. You're going to get a different quality quality of client, right? If you market towards custom window treatments or beautiful window designs rather than, you know, just blinds, right? So again, even that income stream, you've got to really think about it. Is this getting me to where I want to go? Is it moving me towards my goals? Or is it something that I'm going to get overwhelmed with and stuck in and it really just sucks your time? And then you get three years down the road and realize, gee, I am no closer <laughs> to my dream business. I see it all the time. I mean, that that is what happens to us. We have these great ideas, brilliant ideas. And you know, even if you execute it well at the beginning, you might not have thought out the whole process. And what does it mean? You know, any business you start, you've got to have goals from today, next week, next year, three years, five years, 10 years. You have to. You can't start a business and only think of the next six months. You you have to plan out your steps. You know, I, I use it over and over again. How do you know if you've crossed the finish line if you don't know what that finish line is? You know, so write down what your finish line is and then all the different checkpoints to get there and make sure that whatever you're doing that distracts you or takes away your focus or takes away time from that or that that final goal, step back, think about it. Is it worth it? Are you going to make enough money? Yeah. You know, how much money can you really charge to do, you know, just a standard Christmas tree? Now, I have friends that that's all they do and they make a killing. I mean, they sell the product and they do the installation and their jobs are amazing. And they have clients that come back year after year and they do country clubs and they do, you know, and their work is beautiful, but they only do holiday design. That's it. And they make enough money and then they get to, you know, do so whatever for the rest coladas. of the year. <laughs> Palm Springs. Not quite that, but, but yeah, it's, it's gotta be its own thing. Um, like you said, with, with paint, because it is, you know, we've got our Sherwin-Williams here and I know Benjamin Moore will sometimes have designers in on a Saturday or Sunday that's their busy day. And, um, you know, you can ask if you can bring your business cards and help people pick out paint. And it is a slight step towards the right direction. But the odds of someone coming in that needs a full-blown designer that is planning on redesigning their whole house that happens to come into a paint store on a weekend you know, it's it's kind of hit or miss. If your business model was a color consultant for people's homes and you charged for that and then meeting people at a paint store and passing out your business card and discussing things about, um, you know, you never give your, your talent away, right? You don't pick the color, but you talk about um, warm undertones and cool undertones and how colors can complement or contrast and, you know, the difference that, paint can, you know, can bring to a room and you know, it's inexpensive, but you still want to charge for your talent of actually picking those things out for them. So it's a different business model, right? Color consultations. Um, you're actually going to go into the person's home because really, honestly, how can you pick paint for someone if you haven't seen the house? I mean, <laughs> that's scary. So you need to get into the house. Well, this could be a stepping stone to that, but you just can't rely on it. Again, it it's a big time sucker, right? Where you should be using that time on a blog post, right? For for reaching out to the to the clients that you want 
to find? You know, how do you find those clients that aren't DIYers? You know, they want to design their house. How do you reach out to those people? That's what you need to be focusing on. I know. I, I think um, just like thinking about it, I've not necessarily been hiding, but I've been finding my identity in the store and under you and who I want to be. And ever since you said in the first podcast of your um, of your courses, what kind of designer do you want to be? And that has changed ever since I started working in the beginning. Oh, I just want just to do what I love here and there. I don't want to be all intense or this big, crazy designer. I just want to do like basic, simple things with people I love. And then working here, I was like, well, maybe I do want a magazine. But then at the same time, it's like, I just want, again, even now as I'm transitioning to being independent, um, it's starting to bring up things again, like in just how you're mentioning right now, like what do I really want to do? How do I accomplish that? What does that look like in this um, in this sphere and in this environment that's different from Seattle and whatnot? And it's just um, the turning rules are definitely like really turning. And I still need a lot of coaching from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always here. And, and, and that's really what it is. Um, you know, adding, adding, adding income streams needs to be thought of as a service you can include to your designing that is almost like an upsell for one of your design packages. Mm-hmm. You know, you could even break down your design services to do, um, you know, color consultation is one, redesign where you're using their their items, adding accessories to do an accessory house call can be phase three. I mean, you can step up your program that way. But at the end of the day, that's your business model, right? Is more of the redesign, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I really encourage people to step back and look at that business, you know, and and write down your goals. Uh, I was taught at a women's seminar. Well, it wasn't a women's seminar. It was a seminar for business. And um, they had us write a letter to ourselves five years from now and talking about all the great things that we had and all the great things we'd accomplished in our business and, you know, the way our house looked and um, the vacations we were going to take and you know, everything that we really imagined happening in five years. And then writing another letter for your 10-year self. What does that look like? You know, for me, that's retired. That's enjoying grandchildren. You know, it's it's a completely different letter. But it it helps draw out what your dreams really are and getting kind of clear as to where you want to be and where you see yourself. Um, and then it's fun to go back and read it. I mean, I go back and look at you know, what I wrote and I am accomplishing those things, which is great. Um, But I laid out that map. So it reminds me, I mean, that's the whole thing with vision boards, right? You know, people think it's magic. No, it's not magic. It's just that you're constantly reminded of your goals. You set goals, you set your intention, and you're always working towards those goals. It isn't, you know, some mystical (laughs) thing with, uh, Wings, fairy wings. Oh, well, or, yeah, you cut out pictures out of a magazine and glue them onto cardstock, and now all of a sudden it's magic. Not to put down anyone who really loves their vision boards, because I love vision boards, but <laughs> again, That's I, but I do it for I do it for goal setting. Yeah. And it just keeps me focused. I wake up in the morning and think, oh, I'm so tired. I can go back to bed. Nope. Look at the pictures of my goals. Nope. You're right. If I ever want that, I got to get my butt out of bed and go work towards it. So, you know, write it down. I, I would really encourage everyone, start with that. You know, what do I want to do now to get my business started? Where am I going to be next year? Where am I going to be 
you know, six months. It doesn't even have to be a massive jump. And then you can kind of work backwards, you know, like what can I do to get there? So, you know, if it's money-based, which we've talked about that before when you charge as a designer, you know, if you're not marking up product, if you live in a place where you can't really have access to, to a lot of goods that you can mark up, then adding income streams like, um, you know, the window treatments or accessories or things like that, adding to where you can charge for your design, it's, it's more opportunities for your clients to hire you for your talent, then that's great, right? That is adding income. That's an income stream. But don't get sidetracked. I mean, I did do, um, I have done decorating for people's parties, but they were good clients. Like if, you know, you're really good clients, if, if they were having a party and she was nervous about the buffet table and wanted you to come and do your oh, totally. notify. Yeah, you go do it and, and honestly charge for, you know, an hour of design time and then enjoy the party. Mm-hmm. Hand out your cards, right? You're meeting more of their friends. So I have done that, but I didn't try to go out and get those customers because again, it just would have, it would have, sidetracked me. I've been there. I've done that. You got to stay focused. Focus. No, that's really good because it kind of puts into perspective because you can get so, um, you can get so discouraged. Mm-hmm. I think in, in my point, just even looking all of the um, Instagram designer bloggers mm-hmm. and I just suffocate. Like I do not want that. And I've talked to other designers. And they're like, we don't need to put our work on Instagram, even though Instagram is such a phenomenal tool. They're just like, that's not where our specific client is. She's like, I'm already maxed out. And plus my clients are so high end that they don't allow pictures. Yeah. But, and then when I look at other um, bloggers, they're, they're like retired interior designers. Now they just do interior blogging because that is so much work. Yeah. Or even sometimes just staging that perfect picture on Instagram doesn't get you anyone, but you're kind of out there. Like you said, it's like a two-way street to find mm-hmm. that balance um, and so, sometimes that can make me discouraged, like, oh my gosh, like I have to do that as well, mm-hmm. or that's a form of marketing or meeting other people in certain ways is just, I think I have to personally also sit back and hone in what I want, mm-hmm. maybe have a dinner with you. Uh, <laughs> and then you guys can see along the way how good I am or not. So <laughs> Check in with uh, Nadia. Uh-huh. No, it is. And, and you're doing great. I mean, I think, yeah, it's sort of what we talked about before. It's, it's, Fear is what's holding you back. Oh, yeah. Um, but you'll get past that. You just got to jump. Jump into the pool once and realize, oh, it's not that cold. And then you get used to it and then you're fine. <laughs> you just got to jump. I can't always be there to push you into no. the pool. <laughs> Gosh, I don't, even, I don't even have a five-year plan. I have nothing. I'm like, well, figure it out. I mean, you are moving to a place um, that has a lot more resort. You know, you well, you're not going to live right by it, but – you know, that's a niche. That's that's like just doing resort homes or second homes. I mean, that's its own business model. You know, there, there are a lot of things like that where, again, it it might I, – I can see creative people like designers saying, oh, I have an idea. I'll just really market, you know, out to people that have second homes and hopefully get more clients. It doesn't always work that way. So focus on if that's your niche, great. If you happen to have a client who has a second home – Wonderful, but you got to give it your all. You got to get pick one thing that you're really, really, really good at, and don't just be mediocre at a million things. Okay, can you tell me what it is? What? <laughs> what? Well, tell me what you think about me. What, what oh. am I really good at? What? What is it? I should. I should focus. No, on. you just need to be a designer. You just need to be a designer. That's what you do, and you like to create luxury. Yeah, you do like to create luxury spaces. 
that, I mean, focus on that. You know, that's your, that's your business model. And you don't need to add income streams to it. You need to be smart about finding your resources so that you can mark things up, which again, is it's not sneaky to mark up furniture. That's not, I don't know why designers treat it like it's a bad word or like, oh, she marks up product. Well, what do you think retail sales is? The whole world of retail sales. You buy it less than the general public can get it. You mark it up a little because you chose it. You collected. Target makes money because they collected a bunch of things that we go in and we want to buy. You know, that's why we go there instead of another store. As a designer, you collect these items. Heck yeah, you can make money off that. I mean, that's that's retail. So, you know, building up your base of your vendors and how you get your products, that's where you should focus on. How you can get the best price on products that you can market up and your clients aren't paying a ton extra, right? That's that's kind of that fine line we walk these days, especially with the internet, people can price things. Yeah. So you need to make sure that you're not gouging your clients, right? There's a there's a balance. There's a fine line you walk. Um, but that's what you need to focus on, finding your resources, finding your team, and then just getting your name out there to the right person. You know, it. maybe you do need to go to some country clubs. Maybe you do need to go to some, you know, we can't really have holiday events anymore, but um, next year will be different. <laughs> Things are calming down and um, hopefully it'll get back to a little bit, you know, of normal and you can go back and mingle, hand your cards out to everybody. Which I hate doing, but that's something I have to personally get over. But yes, you just need one. You just need one client. One. Just start with one. It doesn't have to be a big project, but you get one and it'll snowball. Yep. So you say. Oh, I know it. I've seen it too many times. (laughs) Yep. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys, to this week's podcast with Chelsea Coriel at Design for a Living. And happy holidays, everyone. Yes. uh, We're getting ready for the big season here. So get ready. It's the season of decorating. I get to go decorate a tree right now. On a side note, you'll thank me later. Just eat your portions from a salad plate. (laughs) (laughs) Good tip, Nadia. Thanks, everyone. Happy designing. Happy designing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Design for a Living with Chelsea Coriel. Our episodes will be dropping on Sunday, so stay tuned. We are on Google Podcast and Spotify, and soon you will find us on YouTube where we will upload podcast videos. So stay tuned for that and follow along. Thanks so much for being with us. Find us online at designforaliving.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and House at Design for a Living. If you'd like to submit a question or request a topic, email us at chelsea at designforaliving.com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A at designforaliving.com.